So to continue, this is Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Aid Radio, to continue with sexual market value and uh, politics in particular. The question of sexual market value is also associated with the large variety of female enhancing government programs, particularly for income, uh, retirement, and healthcare, and so on, right? So if you look at something like healthcare, women consume a lot more healthcare uh, than men do uh, because of, you know, mysterious Vulcan plumbing and uh, also, uh, of course, uh, you know, children and all that kind of uh, stuff, right? They just they consume a lot of uh, healthcare resources. So having a wife is a, is a cost, right? So what can women do to bring down the cost of uh, being a wife? Well, uh, of course, they can get socialized health care, right? They can get the government to pay for uh, women's uh, for health care. And, and of course, since women disproportionately use health care, it's a subsidy for, uh, for women. So that's another reason why there's this driver. And I, I'm not saying this is all conscious or anything, but these are the effects of that. Now, a pay equity. A pay equity is uh, another thing that uh, artificially increases women's wages. And by artificially increasing women's wages, what happens is the woman then comes into a relationship with more assets than she would otherwise have. Because uh, women, for a variety of reasons, which I've gone into in uh, a presentation uh, on the myth of the wage gap, uh, women are worth less economically on average than men. And um, uh, yeah, mostly because they take time out to, uh, to have kids. Uh, and uh, at the extreme ends, of course, right? I mean, women uh, are uh, more clustered around the center of the bell curve in terms of intelligence, while men tend to also inhabit more extensively the, the, uh, the two extremes of great intelligence and great, uh, let's just say, non-intelligence. And so... Uh, Women, uh, you know, they say they earn, you know, 70 cents on the dollar or 80 cents on the dollar to men. But, of course, that's highly pumped up by things like uh, the, the uh, pay equity programs. And, uh, of course, um, women want to maintain a monopoly on uh, teaching, particularly the teaching of young children, because it's relatively lucrative and, um, you know, you get a lot of benefits because it's government, and uh, last but not least, of course, you get summers off. Uh, and, um, you know, once you get into the swing of things, you don't have to come up with your own lesson plans and so on. And this is another reason why a lot of teachers are very keen on government centralized lesson plans so that they don't have to come up with their own and uh, very much against competition and so on. So if you marry a teacher, well, what does she bring? She brings a lot of benefits, um, like like union benefits. She brings a lot of benefits to the relationship. She can take summers off, uh, and that raises her sexual market value, right? Because, um, uh, you know, one of the things that is really a challenge for parents is um, the fact that uh, the stupid school system lets kids out at 3.30 when parents get off at 5, at least, and don't get home usually till 6. This uh, stupid system has also a couple of months off in the summer for children. And um, a woman who is a teacher also gets that time off, which makes her much more valuable 
from a sexual market value. And in this case, I'm talking about not just having sex with, but having kids with. Uh, the woman becomes much... So it's an artificial value for uh, the woman. And uh, for, for six million reasons, teachers resist actually having a job in the summer. Uh, but one of them, of course, is that it makes them much less valuable to date. Uh, if they were paid more like daycare workers, then I'm not saying they should be. I'm just saying that in a free market situation, if they were paid more like daycare workers and had to work during the summers, then quality men would not really want to marry them because they wouldn't bring enough to the table in terms of income and benefits and the convenience of having a parent off during the summers when the children are off during the summers. Um, they would lose a lot of sexual market value. And that's a really, really important thing to understand. The other thing, too, is that Women, by living longer than men, uh, they live uh, in some places considerably longer than men, but in general, right, five to ten years longer than men. Well, that takes away a man's spending power if the woman has been home taking care of the kids and the grandkids and doing great stuff in the community, you know, which is all very noble and respectful work. But women who live longer than men require in a free society, would require that men spend less in the present and instead save more for the future because they have to cover the 10 years or more, perhaps, that the woman is going to outlive the man. And again, that lowers sexual market value and uh, like marriage market value, parenthood market value. I should probably differentiate these. Here we're talking about parenthood market value. Uh, whereas if the government is going to take care of your wife when she gets old, then you don't have to save as much money to pay for the pension that she's going to need to build up the extra capital that uh, she's going to need. And because you don't know, or it could be 20 years longer that she lives. And uh, if she, let's just say she lives 10 years longer, well, she needs half a million dollars, just assuming she's going to get by on $50,000 a year. She's going to need at least half a million dollars. And... Um, to, to cover that. And, uh, you know, it probably would be safer to uh, give her a million dollars, right? And then maybe she could, uh, you know, get the 50K off 5% uh, investments or something like that. So uh, that is a, it's a big challenge. It's a big challenge. She's, so that's an extra half a million dollars that, that, or more that you're going to have to set aside if you're a husband uh, to pay for your wife because she's going to outlive you. Now, of course, you could instead get a much more expensive life insurance policy to pay for your wife's retirement after you die. But, you know, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. You're still going to have to pay. You've got to pay somebody sometime for all these kinds of things. Whereas, of course, if the government takes over pensions, then women become more marriageable. And if you look at all of this stuff, uh, in general, certainly going into their early 30s, women want children more than men. And women have so voted that getting married to them is less costly up front, you know, in terms of, well, okay, if I marry you, then I have to uh, pay for um, uh, extra health care, uh, lengthier retirement, uh, kids' education. It's like, well, you got to pay for all these things anyway, so you might as well marry me. Again, it, um, it raises the, say, the, the, the marriage market value 
of uh, women. Now, of course, the question is, what would happen if these subsidies weren't in place? Well, what would happen is women would be a lot nicer. <laughs> right? Of course. Of course women would be a lot nicer. Because knowing the significant financial deficits that they would bring to a relationship, assuming that they wanted kids and wanted to stay home with the kids, assuming that they, that they understood the significant negative economics they were bringing to the relationship, they would make up for it by being super helpful and super nice. Right? In the same way that the DMV has your business whether you like it or not, and they don't have to be good, and they don't have to care, and they don't have to have uh, excellent customer service, so they don't have to be efficient, and, and so on, right? They're just, I mean, a few of them will be, just like a few wives will be wonderful no matter what, but the tendency will be against that. When there's an coerced monopoly, uh, then um, customer service goes down, and you really need to look at marriage as a business wherein two people are incorporated together, and um, they are each other's supplier and customer. Right, that's that's the way to look at, right? To take the sort of heady sexual frisson out of the mix and to dehormonize it, <laughs> dehormonize it a bit, take the hormones out of the equation a little bit. You need to look at it as uh, two people going to incorporate to create uh, a uh, that their parent company creating a child company, and uh, it's a mix of assets, and both are supplying services to each other. Now, all businesses that are heavily subsidized end up providing less value to their customers and focus more on their relationship with the subsidizer, right? That is uh, natural in all businesses, and the same thing is true for women as a whole, which is why women tend to trend Democrat, particularly single women, and um, tend to focus more on their relationship with the government than they do on their relationship with the husband, because the husband can leave them, but the government uh, cannot. So, these are all really important things to understand when it comes to, you know, why do women vote the way they do, and uh, why have women uh, found the, um, uh, how, how do they, so to speak, dare to be so contemptuous and dismissive and vicious towards men? Well, because, uh, because they're married to the government, they just have scornful affairs with men. Uh, not lusty affairs, just affairs of necessity. And, um, so, uh, you, why can they be mean? Because they don't have to be nice, right? I mean, it's the old thing, like if, uh, uh, if a policeman is mean, you have very little recourse, and if a border agent is mean, you have very little recourse, and, uh, if a postman is mean, you have very little resource. If your child's teacher is mean, yeah, very little resource. No, there's no freedom, there's no voluntarism, and so the first thing that goes out the window is basic human politeness and consideration. And it's not like the moment it happens, everyone becomes mean. It's just that as that environment spreads and festers, the people who are attracted to that are the people who, who are not good at being nice, right? If you're not good at being nice, the market will punish you. Like if you're a surly waiter in a highly competitive environment, well, the market will fire your ass, right? Which is actually the healthiest thing that could happen. But um, that aspect of sexual market value wherein women attempt to get the government to subsidize the costs of marrying them and raising children with them, so that A, it appears more valuable to marry them, and B, they don't have to do all the difficult work of actually being nice and compromising and so on. Well, that has raised the sort of narcissism and vanity and entitlement and greed and 
intransigence and bullying and so on of women to the point where, well, men are opting out. They're, they're going galt on the whole institution of marriage. So that's some ways to sort of understand the approach. And the fact that women turn to manipulation in the political context to gain value is, uh, is inevitable. Like I did this podcast uh, earlier today, and I'm sort of doing this second part now. In the interim, I picked up my mail, and there was an ad for some sort of makeup that had been stuffed into the mail slot. And <laughs> stuffed into the mail slot. And on it, I saw, you know, there's this picture of these, you know, these gorgeous women perfectly made up and airbrushed and so on. And I, you know, it just, it just clicked. And it's not a new insight or a particularly powerful insight, but it's a relevant insight, and I'll, I'll take that. Uh, it clicked in that um, women are trying to control the world by controlling men. And again, not all women, blah, 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 right? This is just general tendencies and self-interest in, in a corrupt environment. So it's not like women are bad. It's just that in the same way that when men are vastly outnumbered by women, they tend to become cads. When women gain excessive power over men, they tend to become, you know, shrews. And, and they tend to a- attempt to make up for their lack of personal qualities by exaggerated sexual signaling in the form of uh, makeup and, and so on. And uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> put on makeup and expect the cow to milk itself and put a glass of milk on your table, makeup isn't going to do that, right? A cow might lick it off, but it's really not going to give much of a cow's butt one way or the other. But if you put on makeup and a man gets besotted with you, then he will go and get you milk and put it on the table, right? So it's a way of manipulating the world through a third-party robot called male lust, right? I don't know (laughs) how to go out into the world and get things done, but I can crank the dumbstick of the giant besotted man robot and he will do things for me. And so, uh, as I saw a sign, I mentioned this in the show before, as I saw a sign in a mall, in a makeup store, big sign says, tools of the trade. Tools of the trade. Rather than add personal value through virtue, through hard work, through commitment, through you know, rubbing the man's foot when he's had a feet when he's had a tough day. Instead, I'm going to provoke extra lust in him so that the hormones, his hormones will rush in to fill the gap of my own personal indifference or malevolence or lack of value. And that is important to understand that the voting patterns and the, and the makeup and all of that uh, and the leftism, the socialism, the getting the government to pay for women's stuff, well, that's, uh, that's all about lowering the requirement for personal quality and substituting uh, government power for personal qualities. And uh, it is a devil's bargain. Now, high-quality women don't like it. This is all low-quality woman stuff, right? And high-quality women don't like it, which is why high-quality women who stay home with their kids and who are married to high-quality men tend to vote to the right, tend to vote for, like, get your hands out of my wallet, trailer vixen, uh, or at least get your hands out of my husband's wallet. And they have a man to provide for them. And so the government is their enemy, right? If you can't keep a man, you need the government. If you can keep a man, the government is your enemy because the government is not taking from quality men and giving to your sorry trailer truck, track, track, uh, tra- trailer park ass. The government is taking from your husband's wallet 
and giving it to women whose kids bully your kids, <laughs> right? I mean, it's a really terrible bargain for high-quality women uh, to, to vote in that, uh, in that direction. So that uh, help, helps to understand, right, that women want to... Uh, Low-quality low people want to reduce competition, right? Tonya Harding gets a guy to take a bat to Nancy Kerrigan's legs. These are two skaters, right? And low-quality people dislike competition because, guess what? They lose. And low-quality women, when faced with competition for alpha males with high-quality women, have one of two choices. Either A, well, three choices, I guess. They can either A, reduce the value of the alpha male, or B, increase the value of the trash woman, or they can C, attempt to raise their sexual market value to the point where the alpha male is not only going to want to have sex with them, but is also going to want to marry them and stay with them and love them until the day they die. Now, lowering the value of the alpha male in his own mind is uh, part of, you know, feminism's goal, right? Uh, feminism is uh, one of the things that it does is by constantly harping on about how terrible men are, attempts to lower the self-confidence of um, men. Now, lowering the self-confidence of men serves to make them more susceptible to exploitation by low-quality women. Right? I mean, this is all pickup artist technique, right? You, you give the sort of uh, friendly insult to a woman, you attempt to exploit her insecurities, uh, and, and through that process, through exploiting her insecurities, you get to get into her pants uh, and so on, right? And uh, this is not about... And, or you'll pretend to be, you know, yes, this is my Ferrari, he said, leaning on some, <laughs> right? Like Joey with the the boxes, uh, uh, the pretend Ferrari and friends, right? You attempt to pretend that you're an alpha or you attempt to lower the woman's self-esteem uh, and, uh, you know, in a playful way insult her so that uh, you can... Um, uh, get into her pants. And you know, one of the purposes of feminism, which generally appeals to uh, low-rent women a lot more than high-rent women, because feminism is on the left, and lower-rent women, uh, single moms, IQ90 women, and so on, tend to vote left, whereas the more intelligent, more educated. Um, and uh, I'm not talking about feminist leaders, right? I mean, I'm talking about the the followers, right? But um, uh, so, yeah, you lower, lower the self-esteem of men, uh, and they become easier to control and manipulate, and thus more available to lower quality uh, women. And the second thing, of course, you can do is to raise the sexual market value of lower quality women, which is to um, have uh, it's to have the um, the costs of them uh, diminished, right? Um, and uh, you know the costs of uh, getting involved with them diminish, and uh, that's you know all of the subsidies and uh, free. Government schools, free daycare, free healthcare, free—you know, you name it, right—and uh, uh, old age pensions and so on, which disproportionately benefit women relative to men, and men, of course, pay disproportionately into the system. It's just another scam. Because the alternative, which is to say, well, I'm kind of a low-quality woman, so the best thing for me to do is to attempt to raise my sexual market value by becoming a much better person, <laughs> becoming nice, becoming kind, becoming helpful. Uh, becoming a great cook, becoming an excellent homekeeper, because studying up on how to be a great mother, uh, and uh, you know, being there for your man and helping to support him, and reading up on his business, and uh, you know, doing you know all of that stuff. And please understand, I'm not saying, of course, that uh, 
that men should not be equally devoted to women, I am. But I'm just talking, we'll get to sexual market value for men, you know, in, in a bit. Uh, but uh, we're just talking about women uh, right now. We're talking about marriage uh, and, and old age and so on, the, the general pattern. Uh, I do want to talk about divorce briefly, and then uh, in the next show we'll talk about sexual market value for, uh, for men. But um, this approach uh, is, uh, it's low-rent women against high-quality women in, in the world, right? This idea that there's some sort of sisterhood uh, is ridiculous. The high-quality women are all trying to keep their slags out of their husband's wallet, and the low-quality women are all trying to entice higher-quality men that they, know they would otherwise be able to get by having the government subsidize uh, the costs of doing genetic business with them, so to speak. And uh, all of that is uh, really important to, uh, to understand. Uh, this stuff is... Uh, yeah, the genes that manipulate to their own advantage are the genes that really flourish uh, in this world, that, that do really well in this world. And uh, those that don't, uh, well, they've, they've died off a long time ago. And this manipulation of uh, sexual market value, really, really important and can take a wide variety of, uh, of approaches. Um, doesn't always have to do with, you know, it's, it's fighting like a spy rather than fighting uh, like a soldier, right? I mean, uh, in uh, I think it's Burn Notice, there is, uh, I mentioned this in the show before, right? There's a, a show where the lead guy is fighting like a spy, which is all about trickery and subdiffusion and so on. And um, when you look at a particular policy, when you look at that which is proposed, the important thing, I think, is to look at uh, whose sexual market value does it affect? Right. If you look at something like, you know, Bernie Sanders free tuition, right, free tuition. Well, whose sexual market value does that affect? Well, what it does is it allows women to get a degree. And women tend to go for non economically productive degrees. Uh, let's face it, right? Not a lot of women graduating as computer scientists or oil engineers and so on, right? Well, they're there, but you know, it's just not uh, it's not exactly the norm. So women want a degree because a degree is going to give them access to higher quality men, both in school and after school in the work uh, environment, right? They're not going to end up working as a uh, receptionist at an auto dealership, uh, a receptionist at a repair dealership, or what a dealership's a little higher end. But um, So women want to go and get a degree to enhance their sexual market value. Unfortunately, if a woman goes and gets in some bullshit basket-weaving course degree, and graduates with $25,000 in debt, well, her sexual market value has gone down, right? I have a degree is really great if you don't end up in debt because you look smart. I have a degree that has no economic value and I'm heavily in debt makes you look retarded. Like, this makes you look like an idiot. Like, I, I got an undergraduate degree in women's studies. I'm $30,000 in debt and I have no job prospects. Would you like to marry me? <laughs> Well, no. In fact, like you, your your stunning lack of foresight is uh, astonishing, right? And and this, um, you know, debt is the enemy of sexual market value for women. It can be the friend of sexual market value for men because men, when there's a shortage of women, men go more into debt to try and impress the women with uh, uh, buying them presents or taking them out on expensive dates or whatever. You don't end up with this dorm cest and sweatpant romance that goes on in dorms where guys uh, who are outnumbered by women barely lift a finger to, to woo women. 
And so if you look, just look at something as simple as free tuition, well, why, why would free tuition be appealing? I mean, if, you, uh, uh, if you're in a very economically productive degree, um, you kind of don't want free tuition because free tuition is going to flood the market and drive down wages. You want that to be a barrier to entry. But if you're in some retarded degree that's never going to make you a dime, then you want free tuition because then you get access to the higher quality men, you get access to the prestige sexual market value of having a degree without the attendant sexual market value destroying debt that <laughs> that comes along with it. And um, so, and again, I'm not just saying, it's not just women, right? But, uh, you know, it's a lot to do with uh, with uh, women because in general, men will take more productive degrees. Uh, not always, of course, but in general. And it's not a huge, right? So, so when Bernie Sanders or or Hillary Clinton come along and say, "Well, the average student is graduating significantly in debt and has little hope of paying it," well, that is God terrible sexual market value. And uh, by offering free tuition or a forgiveness of debt, what they're offering—they're not talking to the brain; they're talking to the genes; they're talking to the loins; they're talking to the next generation; they're talking to sexual market value. And uh, if you look at all of this, you know, we're going to give women free health care. Well, that's uh, speaking to sexual market value, right? I'm going to take away one of the barriers that men have to marrying you, which is the cost of your health care. So uh, want to vote for me? I'm going to increase your sexual market value, or in this case, your marriage market value. And um, when... Um, when someone comes along and says, uh, hey, I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd really like to uh, uh, give you free, count them free, um, abortions, right? Well, they are increasing the sexual market value of women. Because, of course, if women get pregnant and the guy has to spring for an abortion, then it's pretty expensive to go have sex with these women, right? And so all of this stuff, when you look at it, uh, you know, if you look at it in the context of... Uh, sexual market value. I think you'll find that uh, it's a pretty fertile ground. Does it explain everything? It's not bad for a lot of it. Uh, you know, obviously there's there's complexities and stuff that doesn't fall into it. And we'll get into the sexual market value subsidy of men, you know, called uh, corporate favoritism and in particular the military in a sec. But uh, as always, if you find this stuff useful, freedomainradio.com slash donate. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you soon.